The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Good day, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of Boomer Generation Radio, uh, coming to you again live from the studios of WWDB AM860 here in Philadelphia, and we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. And again, you can reach us at Boomer Generation Radio at Facebook um, or Boomer Generation Radio at gmail.com. And a reminder that these all of our shows are eventually podcasted and archived on our website, www.jewishsacredaging.com. And we're going to be right back with our guest today, uh, Martin Zide. He's going to talk to us about a very, very fascinating project and movie that he's working on right after this message from our friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approaches to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. Hi, welcome again back to Boomer Generation Radio, our first segment today here on a beautiful day here in Philadelphia, I hope. And I uh, hope it wherever you are as well. We're going to be have very happy and pleased to welcome to our show on our microphone, uh, Martin Zide, producer, director, uh, TV raconteur, uh, and now working on a absolutely very interesting and fascinating project, um, a movie called Voice Messages. Correct, Marty? Welcome. That is correct. Thank you. Nice to be here. So tell me about this uh, this film, this project. What is it, and how did it get started with you? Uh, Voice Messages is uh, a documentary which is about 40% shot and produced. And, in fact, um, today we're starting a crowdfunding campaign, GoFundVoiceMessages.com, if you're interested. Um, the film is about all the ways in which we use our voice. So... Uh, we use it to soothe our children. We use it when we're angry. We use it when we would like to be seductive. We use it to sing and entertain. Um, the film also covers the sociology and biology of the voice and how it ages. So uh, there's a lot of information about uh, why your voice might sound old, so to speak, and ways in which you may be able to uh, maintain a healthy voice throughout your entire life. So, so you had a career, you have a career in, in TV and production and media. So the voice was always something very, very powerful. Is that what drew you to this? Because it's a fascinating subject. I mean, I mean, this the use of, I'm just thinking now of just vis- um, images in my mind of politicians and leaders who, you know, great orators who use their voice uh, to really move move people, just really take them in their hand and just move them. Is that what 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 drew you to this? Well, first, you know, going back to the the politician idea, you know, there's the uh, menacing voice when you think of Adolf Hitler. There's the very uh, seductive voice of JFK, which many people think 
may have helped him uh, gain the presidency mm-hmm. back in the in the 60s. Um, what drew me to this subject is I had this nascent experience when I was in third grade at the William B. Mann School, 54th <laughs> and Burks, and I was in the school auditorium with my mom, and we were watching uh, some kind of a production that the school was putting on, and there was a a sixth grader named Martin Kravitz who sang the song Without a Song, as in Without a Song, The Road Would Never End, right, right. That, that song. Sinatra song, good Sinatra song. I've since found out that it had uh, racist overtones, which uh, kind of upset upsets me now. But of course, I didn't know any of that at the time. Anyway, he he sang this song in a in a, a beautiful high tenor voice, and the tenderness of his voice just moved me to tears in third grade. And of course, I was embarrassed. I was sitting next to my mom. I yeah. didn't want to let her see me cry, um, but I couldn't help it. And um. I didn't know it at the time, but it was his voice and what what he was expressing through his voice that actually made me emotional. And so that nascent experience uh, stayed with me my entire life. And um, I grew up as a teenager. I did a lot of a cappella singing, do up uh, on the street corners and outside of Overbrook High. And then I went to college and joined the Glee Club. And the university choir. When I got out of college, I joined barbershop quartet. Hmm. And then even recently, uh, with some former high school um, friends from back in the day, I got asked to join a gospel group. Get out. Which was uh, pretty remarkable. And and I did that for about a year until my schedule uh, stopped me from from doing it any longer. So um, I've been interested in how the voice sounds through singing and then through my career, which included uh, a bunch of years in network television. I-, I got to work around people with these great voices. Best voice you ever remember working with? Best voice I ever remember working with. Wow, that's that's interesting. I um, got to interview Tom Brokaw mm-hmm. when I was working in local television. His voice made a huge impact. And then the voice that I'm most interested in today is a singer named Vince Gill, who um, is mostly a country singer. And I didn't raise—I wasn't raised uh, on country music by any stretch. You know, I'm the uh, from the Motown generation, <laughs> and so um, I was recently exposed to him, and I have fallen in love with his voice. Just a beautiful, Why? clear, Why? very distinctive. Mm-hmm. High-pitched, um, gorgeous voice. Can't get enough of them. Now, in the film, um, you're, you also have a segment, if I'm not mistaken, because we talked about it with Linda Ronstadt, right? Yeah. Talk to us about that. So Linda Ronstadt, as, as you and I have spoken about before we, we got on air, it was a you know, rock and pop icon from the 70s and 80s. And, uh, you know, had uh, has sold over 100 million records in in her lifetime. And uh, she's beautiful, strong, powerful singer uh, who could bring the house down with her voice. And the reason that I've included her in this film is because, sadly, she's losing her singing voice and eventually will lose her speaking voice to Parkinson's disease. And she described it as 
asking my voice to go to the fifth floor, and it stops at the third floor. Hmm. And there's nothing that uh, uh, modern medicine can do to fix that or help her. And so I interviewed her and wanted to know what it's been like to lose her voice. This is so tied up in her identity. And um, she she gave me a fascinating interview. And um, at the moment, we have uh, filmed a, enough to shoot to uh, edit a trailer for the movie, a f- three-and-a-half-minute trailer, and we're hoping to raise the uh, the funds to be able to complete the film starting today. You know, who else? Who else is in the movie? Vince. Vince. Vince is in the movie. Vince. No, I haven't gotten to Vince, but I, I would sure like to. Yeah. Wow. So there are a couple of other people's in, people. People in the movie. Um, there's another singer, and she, uh, she is Layla Hathaway, who is this very sultry R&B singer, and she's the daughter of the late R&B singer Donny Hathaway, who passed away in the 70s. Um, unfortunately committed suicide at the age of 34. And Layla has uh, a terrific career in her own right, but also sings a lot of her father's songs and sounds eerily like him. She sings them in the same key, a lot of the same inflections. And so I'm using her as a means of exploring the biological link of the voice do we inherit the same voice as our parents had? Do we sound like our parents? Can we escape that if we wanted to? And so she she sounds a lot like Donnie. Then there's a couple of voice actors in there. Uh, Howard Stern fans will know the name Billy West, who is um, a, a voice impersonator and uh, a cartoon voice actor. He did the voices of both Ren and Stimpy from that show. He um, does multiple voices on this uh, animated show called Futurama. And uh, he, he's just a, f- a funny guy. There's a character in Futurama, which is a combination of the voices of Georgie Jessel and some alien from uh, you know the year 2050. So he does some unusual stuff. And then there's Michael Winslow, who is another voice actor, who is the um, the guy who played uh, a policeman in all seven Police Academy films, and he uh, does all kinds of voice sound effects, like uh, you know the voice, uh, what someone's voice sounds like on the telephone, what their voice sounds like on a loudspeaker system. Um, he can do a car engine. He can do a zillion different sounds with his voice. So, the, talk the the film. It, it's in production, and and we'll talk. I want to well, after our break. We, I want to go back to that this crowdsourcing thing. But what, it's a documentary. Where do you, I know very? I know Zippo about the you know what you're doing that that whole process. When it's you're anticipating having it completed, all things being equal, by when? It'd be great if we had it completed by uh, the summer of 2017. And then where does it go? Do you, you pitch it to like film festivals or, or stuff like that? How, what's the process of that? That's exactly right. Um, you uh, hope to get it entered into multiple film festivals and hope that it gets uh, seen by someone with a keen eye mm-hmm. and someone who's willing to take it on and distribute it and try to place it in movie theaters. 
So are you doing all the, the filming and the production here in Philly, local? Or no, it, it's, it's wherever the story is. Uh, to date, I've flown to London to interview an author uh, of The Human Voice, Ann Karp. I interviewed Michael Winslow in Orlando. Um, I interviewed Billy West in L.A. So it's kind of wherever the stories are. Okay, wow. So we're speaking with Martin Zide, a um, radio, television producer, activist, but really now filmmaker, um, on this very, very interesting film about the voice. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. I want to come back to the – I'll give you a heads up so I don't want to surprise you. I'm, I'm interested in your reaction with the voices of politicians especially in the bizarre circus that we're living through right now. But we'll do that. We'll come back to that circus right after this message from our friends down the street at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall Outreach. Kendall Outreach serves the field of aging by raising public awareness of important health care issues of older adults. And it provides education and training in the development and implementation of comprehensive approaches to safe, individualized, long-term care practices. Kendall Outreach has been sharing Kendall's approach to quality care with consumers, advocates, providers, government agencies, and related organizations since 1989. To learn more, visit KendallOutreach.org. Welcome back to our first segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio, WWDBAM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia, and we are streaming all over the known universe, I hope, at WWDBAM.com with Martin Zai, producer, director of this film, Voice Messages, currently in production. Uh, we've been talking about the power of the voice and how voice is used in a variety of different ways. and. I did ask Martin about, you know, the voices that had impact upon him. But I, I have to ask you politically, because you did mention the use of uh, the voice in politics. And I actually, when I, I, I did work for somebody, um, uh, Alex Schindler of Blessed Memory, who had this powerful ability to take a convention of five, 6,000 people and literally – the way he spoke and used his voice, hold them, lift them, move them, make them laugh, make them a very powerful order. So talk to me about when you watch the political circus that's on now and what's your impression about the voices that you're hearing? Is it, Are they stri I mean, anything really come at you as a, as a critic, as a person who's doing this movie? Well, I go back a ways uh, in history politically. I mean, let's think uh, uh, Martin Luther King was an a politician, but if you think about how he used his voice mm -hmm. to move people, he moved mountains with his voice. Um, you know, back in the Kennedy days, uh, his opposition, Richard Nixon, his voice was seen as the personification of evil <laughs> by a lot of people. Uh, his voice kind of betrayed what many people thought was a, a sneaky man. And they were right. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought so. And then um, most impressively to me would be the voice of Bill Clinton, which had this kind of uh, molasses, syrupy, folksy, yeah. folksy southern sound that I thought was very appealing to, to voters, apparently. Mm -hmm. And in today's races, hard to say. I mean, Donald Trump, uh, to me, sounds like a buffoon. 
Um, that's not only how he sounds, but, but what he says. Um, I have been through the years very impressed with Barack Obama's voice. Uh, I think he speaks with authority, dignity. Um, and then, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, I, I think sounds like, um, is, is attempting to sound like and probably is, uh, presenting himself as a man of the people. His voice is kind of earthy. Hillary uh, can rub people the right way or the wrong way, depending upon um, who, who you are. Her voice can be uh, uh, scratchy and uh, offensive to some people. Uh, to other people, it's the, finally the voice of a woman mm-hmm. um, in a, a position to run for the president of the United States. In your experience in, in, in media and now with the film, can people train their voices to do certain things and, and to and – they you know, as if you're born with that a certain voice, you can change that according to the situation. I think you can um, professionalize it. Mm-hmm. You can learn how to speak uh, professionally, clearly, slowly. Um, I think genetically, you, what you're born with is what you have. That's going to be uh, the tone of your voice, but you can sure clean it up. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, um, the crowdsourcing thing. First of all, what is it? What's crowdsourcing? So this is a way in which uh, many projects, products now get uh, made in today's market. So crowdsourcing for films is uh, when you as the filmmaker do not have uh, gigantic investors. And gigantic investors willing to uh, pony up thousands of dollars. Uh, you turn to the crowd, so to speak. You turn to your friends. You hope that they will share the information about your film with their friends, their family, and you hope that through the massive social networks that are set up, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, that you're able to uh, convince enough people that you have a worthy subject that they're willing to kick in a few bucks and also share uh, share the idea of your film with others so that they'll kick in a few bucks. And lo and behold, you hope to raise enough money to do whatever it is you need to do in your film. For me, I'm at the point where we're 40% shot. I want to shoot the rest of the film. I have some great stuff lined up and some terrific ideas, and I'd like to raise in today, in the crowdfunding campaign that we're starting today on Indiegogo, GoFundVoiceMessages.com, I'd like to raise a total of $45,000 so that we can complete shooting the film. Okay, so you, you, you ran real fast through the, the site. So walk us through that. So somebody wants to get involved with this. This is a really cool idea. I love Linda Ronstadt, or I'm a country western music fan, or this thing fascinates me. I go to Facebook. I go to a website. What's the website? So you can find out more about the film at voicemessagesdocumentary.com. Voicemessages, one single word. That's one single word with no break. And then if you're interested in contributing, we're starting our Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign today, later today. What is that? And that will be – Indiegogo is the the site at which you will find – uh, our crowdfunding information, the actual link to get to that Indiegogo page is GoFundVoiceMessages.com. So 
again, if I go to the website, is there a link to the funding thingy? Yeah. Click VoiceMessagesDocumentary.com will get you also to the Indiegogo site. If you want to go directly to the Indiegogo site, it's GoFundVoiceMessages.com. So I go there, and then, then you were mentioning before you, you put up a Facebook page and a, what other all Twitter. kinds of Twitter and – you want followers. You want people to, uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time on the run-up to launching the crowdfunding campaign. So we've done a lot of marketing, a lot of social media, just trying to get the buzz going and trying to create interest mm-hmm. so that people will know about us when we launch the campaign. Today. So, and this will go on, is the the amount that you want on there or just open-ended? Yes, if we raise $45,000, we get to finish shooting. If we raise $55,000, we get to finish shooting and editing. And if we raise $60,000, we get to totally complete all facets of the film, including post-production marketing. So all those uh, tidbits are are on the website, um, and you can find us all over the place, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, voice voice document voice messages documentary dot com. And this is a this is a passion of yours. This is a project, oh, big time. Yeah, big time. I am a, a lover of the voice. Uh, have been for years and uh, from the time I was about eight years old. Right. Um, I'm the kind of person who will. Um, I think there are a lot of people like this out there who will listen to a commercial and try to determine who's what celebrity voice that was doing the voiceovers. Because it's it's fascinating. To me, it's fascinating to hear people's voices. And um, I also believe that we're not as aware of our voices as we could be. Um, There certainly are things that we can do to maintain our voices. And there are things like screaming and shouting uh, that will kill your voice and make it difficult for you to have a clear voice as you age. As people get older... You know, since this boomer generation radio and we, we, one of our focuses is, is basically on our generation. How do I protect my voice when I'm 65, 70, 75 that it still maintains a certain tone or, you know, vitality? Well, the voice is made up of muscles like, and like any other muscles in our body, the more you use them, the more lubricated they stay. So one way is to use your voice, um, and another way is to avoid uh, some of the ways in which your voice can start to fade. Uh, screaming and yelling is a, is a no-no. Um, a, a huge research topic in voice health now is reflux and its effect on the voice. Really? Yeah. So um, you may notice, uh, you know, those of us who have made it, uh, fortunately, into our 60s and beyond, may notice that uh, we have con- uh, reflux and it gets brought on by maybe spicy food or hot beverages, um, and it can really influence your voice. It can make your voice uh, um, phlegmy, and it can make your voice weak and difficult to uh, to to hear with clarity. So... Um, a lot of the doctors and, and people that um, we've spoken with about the age of the voice have recommended that if you have the symptoms of reflux, mm-hmm. 
and you want to maintain a clear voice that you do something about that. There, every pharmaceutical company makes medications now. Um, in the in the world in which we live, what are the voices or who are the voices that really captivate you right now? Well, there's there's still Vince Gill. Um, I like acapella music a ton, and there's a actually a, a ten time Grammy winning gospel jazz acapella group in the film named Take Six. Oh, I've heard of them. And they've been together since the 80s, and they are still going strong, and I love their voices. They um, have one super deep bass man, and the rest of them can sing uh, in falsetto, and they refer to it as skying, mm-hmm. and that's getting way up in the stratosphere of the high notes, and, and they perform their harmonies uh, in the highest uh, uh space available to man and so i i I love listening to them wow uh martin zide producer director originator um and caretaker of this documentary voice messages real fast um how do we get involved with the crowdsourcing what are the contacts the websites etc etc Richard, there'll be a little something extra in your paycheck for doing this. Thank oh, you yeah. so much. <laughs> so that's why everybody in the control room is laughing. Right. <laughs> VoiceMessagesDocumentary.com gets you to our landing page, which also includes the film trailer and a link to the crowdfunding page on Indiegogo. And if you want to go directly to Indiegogo, it's GoFundVoiceMessages.com. Wow. Mr. Zai, thank you very much. This is uh, really cool. I wish you just a lot of good luck with this. And um, hopefully uh, we'll find out and we'll be able to see this movie in about a year. And uh, let me know. I, that's really cool. And um, in your honor and in Linda Ronstadt's honor, we're going we're gonna to take the bridge between our segment one and segment two, bring up a little classic vintage Linda Ronstadt from, I think, the 70s. Um, with, um, I think it's uh, Henley from the Eagles duet. Anyway, good luck. Voice messages, voicemessagesdocumentary.com. That's where you want to go for the crowdsourcing. And thank you very much. Continue good luck. Wish you great, great success. Thank you for coming in and being a guest here on Boomer Generation Radio. And um, through the magic of Mr. Brett in the other side of the glass, here's a little... Vintage 1970s stuff for you. She tells him she thinks she wants to be free. He tells her he doesn't understand. She takes his hand and tells him nothing's working out. She stole many women He can't find the one who was his friend He's hanging on to half a heart But he can't have the restless part So he tells her to hasten down
Hi, this is Kendall resident Harry Hammond. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888 888- Seven five nine zero one two eight. Welcome back, everyone, to our second segment on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio, coming to you from the studios of WWDB AM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia. And we're streaming live on WWDBAM.com. And again, you can reach us at BoomerGenerationRadio at gmail.com or like us on the Boomer Generation Radio Facebook page. And a final reminder that these shows are podcast on jewishsacredaging.com um, and they're archived. So if you miss one, you can scroll down there at uh, the website and, and listen to the ones you missed. And um, just a reminder that next week uh, we'll have an encore show and I'm, we're going to hopefully replay the this hour-long interview with um, – uh, Dr. Danny Gottlieb, who is known to many of you in the Philadelphia area and actually nationally, uh, just completed 30 years on uh, public radio uh, with his uh, show, uh, Voices in the Family. So um, I'm going to try to replay Danny's show uh, next week. We are very pleased to welcome back um, Elaine Portner to the show. Elaine, are you there? I am. Hi. How? Nice to see you. Nice to hear your voice again. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Well, okay. We uh, Elaine was on the show about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. I, don't hold me to the exact date. Um, um, dealing with her book, Medium Memoirs, Messages of Life, of, of Love, Hope, and Reunion. Uh, Elaine is a, and you're going to help me here. Are you a sure. median, a psychic, or a seer, or all of the above? All of the above. Okay. Walk us through real fast, because uh, my, actually my daughter Liz asked me this yesterday, and I, I didn't I didn't know how to answer. I said, "Well, I'll ask the expert." Elaine, what's the difference? Seer, psychic, or medium? Well, a medium is the avenue in which the information is processed. Uh, perhaps psychic ability is the mindfulness in understanding uh, the information, and Seer, to me, is someone who has the vision and the education and the search inside of us. So in reality, it's the intuition, it's the connection, and I maintain that we all have that. Wow. So everybody has the power to, I don't know what the, the appropriate terminology is, see beyond and, themselves? Yes, and connect to a higher source. Yes, I do believe that everybody has that ability. Now, do they have the desire or the interest to read other people? Probably not. Many of us individually are seeking our own purpose and wanting to understand uh, guidance in our own life. So there's the difference 
of someone who does this for other people versus that interest and connection in uh, achievement within our own individual journeys, spiritual journeys. So, you know, it's a very interesting comment that everybody has this power. So, like, we'll meet somebody, you know, casually or in a business situation or, you know, on a date, you know, your date. And I call it a vibration. I mean, you, you... some sure. people call it chemistry. You, you sort of like know into something inside of you says, I could be friends with this person or oh, I'm getting a really weird vibe out of this. But you may have never met. Is this what you're talking about? Well, kind of. That's the, that's the light entertainment or peripheral edges of what it is authentically inside of us. But it's almost like working the intuitive muscle to uh, think that you know what you know. So we do play that out socially. Um at times, uh, I'm talking about perhaps my work or my interactions with others is deeply engaging, reaching into the spiritual muscle. So we want to believe that there is the same, and to some degree they are, but there are ways and processes of developing our intuitive muscle more strongly so that we can uh, have greater um I guess, assessment of vibration, as you might call it, or just social interaction, because think about how many times, you know, we were wrong, right? Even our initial uh, conferences with people, it's the outer edges of what they may put out there. If we had the awareness that each one of us really does have unconditional love, you know, that might have been disturbed in somebody's lifetime, and that's the vibration that you're getting, um, if it's distasteful or not agreeable to your energy, um, you know, the more that you work on that within yourself, the more that you can see that in others and see the differences. Yes, that is true, but a lot of us don't really put in the time necessary or the awareness of cultivation uh, long enough uh, to understand that this could be more accurate than just socially, uh, wow, that person rubs me the wrong way, because we've been wrong about it. Oh, yeah. So th- yeah. I think it's fascinating when you mention that, that that there's this intuitive muscle. It's a it's a great phrase. So if I'm understanding you correctly, that if somebody learns how to train or work this intuitive muscle, as you're calling it, they can reach some sort of higher level of of communication. Yes, I, I believe that because it's almost like you open up the channel to greater love and support in your life. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm a medium and I teach. Uh, and engage people in conferencing and having spiritual dialogue with their loved ones on the other side, it really bespeaks of unconditional love. And so many of us are walking around, um, you know, trying to protect our hearts, not getting hurt again. So that's where the alarm goes off. And it says, you know, even in a dating circumstance, you know, you're not for me and I can't go through that again. So therefore I'm not interested. You know, we want to just really trust that everybody is that way. And so there are ways to just, pull that out of people, uh, you know, to live your own life in greater happiness. Therefore, you won't be as fearful and expecting that in uh, other in others. So uh, we are moving towards that. It's a really slow progression and evolution. But, you know, I just take the example of Orlando just quickly. And what happened with that is that so many uh, of our populations, our culture said, you know, we honor and, and, and so support that this type of thinking cannot go on. You know, we have this unconditional, non-biased separatism, and so we don't want to fall prey to that, even though some still do. So 
I watched everybody just rebound in rainbows and colors and connectedness and community. And it brings people to, to communities in unity. And that's what happened. So the suggestion going back to the individual basis is that we need to do work on this in our own way for ourselves. And then it builds community. It is religious and to some degree because it, it doesn't divide religions. It's almost like disorganized religion instead of organized religion. You, I know I'm hitting you with a lot of topics. But no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I just want to go back to circle back to one thing because sure. you, you, you write about it. And um, on the website, you allude to in your experience. Are are people afraid uh, to really open themselves totally to unconditional love? Yes, thank you. Absolutely, because we're like animals, so it's our instinct to protect, to protect, to protect. But then once you you know learn to tame the beast. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you are able to engage in greater love, even for your own self, because when you do that self-work or that self-realization and sometimes circumstances in people's lives force them into connection to a God, a greater source or love or nature, then uh, you have that ability. You can't go back. You can't go back when you drop all your fears. So, yes, that's true. You write and, and, and in one of the uh, in blurbs on and medium uh, memoirs, Messages of Love, Hope, and Reunion, um, Balboa Press, which I imagine is available through the great god Amazon. Um, you got it. <laughs> And, and there's a there's a there's a note there that says can our loved ones still touch us after they're gone? You're you're heavily involved in teaching people or working with people how to reach as you would call it to the other side, correct? Yes. Yes. And and is there can everybody do that? Can everybody be a channel to some spirit who has passed, person who's passed, or do you run into sometimes people who want to do this but are blocked for some reason? Well, they're all great questions. One of the, the, to answer the first question is, um, can all of us do this? What I've noticed in, uh, I've been teaching for a very long time. Uh, I owned a yoga center for 20 years and I've done medium work and services for about five years and have done about 5,500 readings. Now those are all great numbers, but the reason that I bring that up is because I feel like I've had a cross section even while traveling to very remote places at times we're all changing all around the world, and we all want to hear, you know, some guidance or we are all praying to those that we have loved before. So that's changed in our culture. If you went back 10, 15 years ago, even teaching a yoga class, you weren't allowed to say the word God, and uh, you, you, people used to just pray to God. And so many people ask their relatives for a sign those that they have lost. So that energy from earth, right, is moving towards the heavens and it's becoming more of a mass consciousness to say, show me a sign. So then what happens is, is that energy is transferred and with more people asking for that, it happens more often, but they don't tell other people that it's happening, but they would certainly tell a medium. So my experience is, is that we've all are uh, evolutioning ourselves in our spiritual quest to understand that we're capable, we're valuable enough to hear uh, awareness, consciousness, dialogue, messaging, symbolic living, and a higher vibration, like you mentioned. Yes, we are, we are all capable of it. Sometimes it's just placing the value in ourselves. Do you, you must, and I, I have to ask you this question. 
how do you deal with the the skeptics, um, the people who you know just are so negative? This this is you know mumbo jumbo or stuff like that. I'm sure you, in in all the years you've been doing this, run across one or two people who just just are are very skeptical of what you're doing. Yes, I love skeptics. That's the first thing. Oh, cool. I, I do because I have to consider myself one because I didn't know all of this when I first got into it. I didn't understand that high vibration and that consciousness. So I learned by working with people. And so what I've also learned is that um, I need to remain surprised and skeptical. And then I also learned that I'm offering unconditional love to anybody. So I welcome skeptics. How can I be conditional about skeptics? Was there an aha moment for you when you began this, this journey as as a medium, what was the door that opened to you and saying, "Wow, God, I'm I really can." There's something else going on here. Yeah, well, there's been a number of them over the years, quite quite incredibly. And um, uh, one of the first is just my orientation into this world. Quickly was, you know, I knew I had the psychic sense, and I parlayed it into a lot of different things. You know, I used to read astrological charts. I used to read people while I was teaching yoga classes, and the big hit for me. Um, when I was always asking the question, and I love this about Judaism, is I found that in Judaism, you're always asking questions, right? Not just the main four questions, but you're, it's, a, it's a spirit, it's a religion that allows you to ask the question. And yeah, then, you're supposed to, you're supposed to. Yeah. Yes, right. That's what I love about my orientation, because I was a scholar that, taught that way. So my point is, is that when asking those questions, I kept asking questions. And then I got a profound answer one night when I had a nightmare, and I asked the question, you know, how much could you know? I was always understanding about my neighbors, you know, feeling the vibration of dog fences when I didn't know what I was feeling. You know, I would cross somebody's driveway, and I would feel something. I was like, wow, I didn't know that we could humanly feel these types of things that only certain other people could feel. And so I had my own personal experiences, and then I said, how much can you know? And when I found out that on 9-9 that I could see, unfortunately, the uh, Twin Towers, uh, you know, coming down, I saw that image before it happened, I was freaked out. And so that was an aha moment for sure. And it was an aha moment for all of us. And I understand other astrologers and psychics had the same hit. Uh, I didn't know what I was looking at. Fortunately, I told a friend. But uh, and respectfully, we, we began to understand how it is to cultivate communities and empower ourselves rather than defeat ourselves in um, allegiance to our country, allegiance to each other, these types of things. But I shut down after that because that scared me quite a bit. So it answered the question, as I kept asking them, how much can you know psychically, spiritually? And to pick up on something as far as that, I then had to say to myself, mm, and I had gotten several hits after. I'm not really that interested in forensic psychic sense. So I shut down a few times um, over the years, and then I started to host meditation circles. And in that, I started to see people around people, and I tell them, and I saw their reaction. We're living in a world where our families don't really stay together anymore. Everybody's living in different places, and some move on, right, to, mm -hmm. to the heavens. And so I found a way to bring those reunions together, and that fulfilled my heart, and it fulfilled my community. And now I teach people um, how to have those communications and how it can change you because it's less about who it is that you're contacting than it is what it is they're saying. And that's the difference, I guess, between my style and many others. Um, 
um, gone past the entertainment value, if you want to call it that, of saying it's your grandmother and naming her. It's right. way more important to me to understand what she's saying. And all the messages from the other side are so unconditional. It's taught me and many thousands of other people to understand how are you going to live out the rest of your life? Do you really want to live it in fear, um, even fear of death? Or can you train your mind to leave it in learning new things, changing belief systems, and opening yourself up to greater love? Because it continues. The consciousness continues. Uh, even after you pass on, your physical body um, retires. Can you keep that consciousness? And my answer is unequivocally yes, because that's who I talk to. We're speaking with Elaine Portner, um, seer, medium, psychic, located in southern New Jersey. Right after this message from our friends at Kendall, I want to come back and talk a little bit more about some of the things that you have coming up, which are absolutely fascinating uh, coming up for the rest of the year that people may want to get involved with and, and uh, join you. And we'll do that. We'll be back with uh, Elaine uh, right after this message from our good friends at Kendall. Hi, this is Kendall staff member Sheila Sylvester. This portion of Boomer Generation Radio is brought to you by Kendall, a system of not-for-profit communities and services that advocates for and empowers older adults to reach their full potential. Kendall is committed to working with others as we together transform the experience of aging. To learn more about Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L, visit discoverkendall.org or call toll-free 888-759-0128. Welcome back to our second segment here on today's edition of Boomer Generation Radio. WWDBAM 860 here in Greater Philadelphia and streaming live on WWDBAM.com. We're speaking with Elaine Portner, um, medium, psychic, seer. Elaine, um, before we start running out of time, uh, real fast, well, not real fast, but, you know, not too slow. <laughs> How does somebody get in touch with you? Through my website, and I'll spell it out for you. First name, A-L-A-I-N-E-P-O-R-T-N-E-R.com, ElaineFortner.com. You are, um, and if somebody goes to the website, there's um, a, a variety of in, a pieces of information and certain things that you're, that you're uh, advertising, as I guess people can join you. One, I, I, I have to ask you about this thing that, according to the site that I'm looking at, scheduled for October 2016 in the in Bimini, which is not too bad place to be, a, right. dolf, a dolphin medium retreat. Talk to me about what that is. Yeah, it is exquisite. It's luxurious. Uh, not actually the, the environment, in a sense. It's um, luxurious in your self-realization, meaning that, the vibrations, uh, we'll use that word today, is uh, very high. And what that's about, I've been attending and facilitating there for probably about eight years. And it's a phenomenal place, wildquest.com. Uh, they swim with the do dolphins unencumbered. So it's uh, snorkeling, uh, free diving. And uh, to me, there's something incredibly magical about the environment there. Uh, it's great food, great yoga, all of that I teach. And what else happens is there are these connections and these long dances that you can have with the dolphins that um, you could, could say that they're sonar wave entanglement. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to put words to it. It just uh, is inspiring. 
and the dolphins leave you with um, quite a high vibration that puts you um, into greater awareness of uh, your life and perhaps living it with love like I have been discussing. So it's pretty amazing. I've been doing it for eight years, and there's many people that return. Uh, it's international. Uh, there are many people from Europe that come. And so it's a great pod. It becomes a human pod like a dolphin pod. So it's kind of cool. Oh, it's very cool. And what is yeah. this, a weekend, a week? No, it actually is a, a straight five days on the catamaran. Uh, and it's also on, on the weekend, too. So it's a, probably a total of seven days. starts off in Fort Lauderdale, and then you take a little hopper over to the island. And uh, they've been in operation probably for 20 years, too. There, um, there's a lot of people that um, are psychic mediums, these type of situations, who are animal communicators as well. And so many of us are moving into that, thinking about that the animal consciousness actually is uh, leaving us. Uh, becoming extinct. There aren't really going to be too many animals around in I, I don't know how many years. So it's something to sincerely pay attention to because they have uh, things to talk about. <laughs> well, you know, in all seriousness, because uh, I know yeah. in, in some of the aging work that I do, and I've visited a number and talked. We talked to some people on the show too. The the, the use of animals in healing and hospitals, um, the connection. Uh, I was talking to somebody who is dealing with Alzheimer's, that they're using animal, animal therapy with people with severe dementia and Alzheimer's as a soothing mechanism. And there seems to be some ability to communicate on some level, nonverbal level. I mean, so this is – and I'm sure people can, you know, you know, laugh about it. But there does seem to be or or is there some – aspect of this communication that we really have not yet begun to understand between various types of animals. I mean, other than the sheer beauty of swimming with the dolphins, but the communication that you're saying that there is some sort of communication that does take place between the dolphin and a human. Yes. So to me, what you're speaking about is the word entrainment. And I take that word very seriously because it is a frequency that can be exchanged in many ways, uh, certainly between people, certainly between crystal bowls, uh, rocks, you know, animals, uh, consciousness. And so the frequencies can be obtained uh, through entrainment. And what's very interesting about this is because I've been watching it and actually testing it when I do my bigger events is that uh, it also can happen with the people that you meditate with. So if someone, uh, you know, like myself, for example, who is working with a particular group, um, I can raise the frequency so that there are offerings for people that I'm with. And I didn't really even know that before uh, because I don't want to put too much stock in the human experience. But I really that realized that just like animals, it's encased in it. And that's the consciousness that we're talking about, the eternal consciousness uh, that continues. So going backwards in this conversation, I'm going to say to you that the entrainment is evident through animals and humans, and it is a frequency that can be obtained by those that you uh, learn from, meditate with, cohabitate with, or a sense when you are quiet and still as an aging person, your connections to God. So it's a frequency that can be obtained. So, yes, it does exist in many forms. Animals are just one aspect of it. Is there some sort of, um, I don't know the right word to use, I'll just use divine consciousness or 
universal consciousness in the universe that you that people can connect with beyond our own sort of great word yes great word yeah it is it is a universal consciousness and i'd like to believe that we all might be moving towards that and we can name it and call it and identify it to whatever aspect that we need but it should be unconditional it should always feel conditional so that way when we are separating ourselves as if it's somebody else or a different belief whatever it's not that it's um, across the line universal and across the line unconditional so then we then take those practices in our lives and um, you know these conditions that are out there they don't affect us because <laughs> we don't have fear of them and so therefore we can live with greater fullness and so that's what is spoken from those on the other side, the people that privately or my lectures or my events and these types of things, that is the message. There's, there's a lot of messages, but one of them, of course, is the mindfulness in connecting to something that is universal if you need to or even personal. You're God. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But one that leads you in an unconditional space because you have to realize, too, that many people have anxiousness, anxiety, fear of death, aging process, all of these things. So if they can wheel that back to being in the present moment and in those present moments of having the awareness and the grace that I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm happy in this most basic form, then uh, it makes you feel more alive because you're not worried about the future, like what's going to happen, worried about the past of what already happened. You're living in the moment. And so that is a real phenomenal mental exercise into gaining acuity in the intuitive muscle so that you can be here more pleasantly, happier, 10% happier, as Dan Harris says. Whatever. It needs to, whatever percentage, that doesn't even matter. Uh, we have about literally two minutes left in this segment. Real fast, because sure. I want to just do two things. Real fast, the the December event in um, in the Poconos. Uh, what is that? Right. A, a medium weekend at the Woodlock Lodge. Real fast. What is that? Right, phenomenal, luxurious hotel uh, lodge that uh, I've, I've frequented before, and I'm a facilitator as a medium for the weekend, and I catch people off guard because they don't think that they're gonna there's gonna be a medium there medium there. And so um, I do readings all weekend long. And um, I've had a lot of um, people crying in great awareness and teaching quite a bit in these places because they're going to relax and then they're not encumbered in their daily basis. And you can really reach and work with them on finding a new high vibration that they carry out into their life. Because it has to be giving them something that they can live with on a daily basis that creates uh, more mindfulness in the everyday and a more positive tone. So we're just about out of time. I want to give you one more shot. Somebody wants to get in touch with you. What's the website, Elaine? Yes, it's my name, A-L-A-I-N-E-P-O-R-T-N-E-R.com. And with the website, you can actually book events. Um, I Skype internationally also. More importantly, uh, I do events. And we did an educational event. So there are fundraisers that are now available. If you, uh, people that want to learn and raise money for educational projects has been happening. And that's been phenomenal. So just connect to me that way. Contact us on my website and I'm available. 
Thank you very much. Elaine Portner, thank you very much for coming back. This is great, and I wish you much happiness and continued good luck and success, and hopefully we'll have a chance to talk again on here on another edition of Boomer Generation Radio. Thanks a lot, Elaine, for coming on. And to all of you, thank you for joining us again next week, um, an encore show with uh, Dr. Danny Gottlieb's conversation from about a month ago. And uh, to all of you, just stay safe. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Thank you very much.